0: Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching, tapping into our best life. Hi, I'm Mary Lou for Talk and Pray, and it took me a while to settle into myself. Do you know the feeling? Capable, ambitious, but wanting more? More impact, more success, more satisfaction? Me too. I've been a mompreneur and now maturepreneur, how do you like that term, (laughs) and I have a lifetime of experience, work, family, love, and loss, that combined with the truth of scripture have taught me valuable lessons. I have a passion to share that wisdom with women of faith who want more. Welcome to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. Are you thirsty for more? I admit it, even though it's been 30 years since it was released, Home Alone is still among my top five Christmas movies. The other four are White Christmas, A Christmas Carol, I'm partial to the George C. Scott portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge as opposed to Patrick Stewart's, The Nativity Story, and It's a Wonderful Life, a pretty unsurprising and traditional list, I suppose. Rounding out my top 10 would be some movies most people would not place on their lists, especially for Christmas time. Ben Hur, which before cable TV and now streaming TV was even possible, played on television either at Christmas or Easter because the tale begins and ends with those holidays. And, of course, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. (laughs) Yes, yes, they are Christmas movies. At least I think so. Trading Places, an early 80s Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis film that's best served edited for language, but is an hysterically funny holiday romp. And lastly, I'll Be Home for Christmas with Jonathan Taylor Thomas of the old home improvement sitcom that starred Tim Allen. Those last five will have you giving me raspberries, (laughs) but they generate great holiday spirit in me. For some reason, I never really connected with Miracle on 34th Street or Christmas Vacation or Elf, which makes a lot of people's top 10 list. Not my kind of humor, maybe, or perhaps I never watched them with the right people. They just never clicked with me the way the other movies do. There's something eminently relatable about Home Alone, though. Perhaps it's because I'm a middle kid. Poor Kevin McAllister is kicked and cuffed between busy parents, rude relatives, older siblings who push him around, and younger siblings who get all the attention. Uncle Frank, the scape called him a little jerk. His sister says he's incompétent. Another brother says, Kevin, you're such a disease. Yikes and then he's overlooked in the count for the airport. Talk about feeling invisible. I like the parallel story, too. Old man Marley, who lives next door, is estranged from his son, and Buzz tells Gullible Kevin that the old man is a murderer, One of the sweetest scenes is when Kevin finds Mr. Marley at church. His surprise is palpable. And Mr. Marley tells Kevin, You can be too old for a lot of things, but you're never too old to be afraid. Their talk gives Kevin the courage to defend his home against the wet bandits. And it gives Mr. Marley the courage to reach out to his estranged son. Home Alone is wonderfully quotable, maybe even up there with The Princess Bride. Keep the change, you filthy animal, is a classic. In Home Alone too. it becomes Happy Birthday, you filthy animal. And Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. I can totally relate to Kevin's outburst. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. My personal favorite is when Kevin is sitting at the top of the stairs looking down on the wet bandits, Harry and Marv, and he says, you guys give up or are you thirsty for more? Turns out Harry and Marv are thirsty for more. Until they catch up with Kevin, only to be knocked out by old Mr. Marley and arrested for all the local burglaries because they left their signature wet bandit calling card running water at all the houses they robbed. So many good themes in the movie. How we often feel invisible, overlooked, underestimated, misunderstood. The power of kindness and kind words. The love of family, even when they are not always lovable. The value of a conversation, of really listening to someone not to respond but to understand. And how to be courageous in the face of adversity. I identify with Kevin, partly because of the middle child syndrome and that feeling of invisibility. But I think his question to the bandits also resonates with me. Am I thirsty for more? Kevin tries lots of things in the absence of his family, all the things he thinks he's missed out on. Buzz's treasure trove trunk with the picture of the wolf girl, scary movies, all the ice cream he can eat, a cheese pizza all for himself. Aren't we like that? The modern world calls it FOMO, fear of missing out. And our culture seems to have a sense that the next big thing will be the it we've been waiting for. A bigger home, a better business or job, a more exciting romance, that travel experience, or anticipated vacation. And in an era of cancel culture, it's not just FOMO, but an underlying fundamental belief that someone else is keeping us from having the things we deserve. Have you had enough or are you thirsty for more? Jesus encountered a woman who was thirsty for more. According to John chapter 4, he met her at a well in the middle of the day, long after the other village women had come and gone. Her shame and ignominy, with her five ex-husbands and living with a man she wasn't married to, had forced her to draw water where she could remain invisible. Jesus approaches her not with accusation or interrogation, but with a request, a conversation starter. Will you give me a drink? You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink, she says. Rather than accentuate their differences as she does, Jesus responds with an invitation to come closer to find out more. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She counters with arguments. Experience has taught her that the status quo isn't likely to change. Jesus assures her that more is available to her, that the religious observances of the past won't bring satisfaction. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. The woman says, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah. And she leaves her water jar at the well to return to the village with the news. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She encountered truth, and she no longer needed to be invisible. She had been seen and accepted by the Savior of the world. Blaise Pascal, 17th century mathematician, physicist, and philosopher, is credited with saying, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus. Nick Nowalt quoted more of Pascal's thoughts in the Harvard Ichthus Journal of Christian Thought. Pascal wrote, The Sovereign Good... Man without faith can know neither true good nor justice. All men seek happiness. There are no exceptions. However different the means they may employ, they all strive toward this goal. The reason why some go to war and some do not is the same desire in both, but interpreted in two different ways. The will never takes the least step except to that end. This is the motive of every act of every man, including those who go and hang themselves. Yet for very many years, no one without faith has ever reached the goal at which everyone is continually aiming. All men complain princes, subjects, nobles, commoners, old, young, strong, weak, learned, ignorant, healthy, sick in every country at every time of all ages and all conditions. A test which has gone on so long without pause or change really ought to convince us that we are incapable of attaining the good by our own efforts. Example teaches us very little. No two examples are so exactly alike that there is not some subtle difference. And that is what makes us expect that our expectations will not be disappointed this time as they were last time. So while the present never satisfies us, experience deceives us and leads us on from one misfortune to another until death comes as the ultimate and eternal climax. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. The full quote and articles linked in the show notes. But notice, we haven't changed at all since Pascal's observations in the 1600s. 400 years, and we still seek happiness in places that it cannot be found. Are you thirsty for more As Home Alone moves toward its ultimate happy ending, we find Kevin's mother, Kate, overcoming impossible obstacles to get home. This is Christmas, she says, the season of perpetual hope. I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. If it costs me everything I own, if I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, I'm going to get home to my son. Kevin, likewise, tells an elf, Will you please tell Santa that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. All the other experiences have been found lacking. Time to return to what's most important. He's reunited with the ones who love him. He peeks out his window to see Mr. Marley reunited with the son that was far from him. I hear in my head Kevin's question to the bandits. You guys give up or are you thirsty for more? In this season of perpetual hope, my answer is yes. I give up striving for temporary things, for things that cannot satisfy. I am thirsty for more. With the psalmist, I pray, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. Father, it's so easy to be lulled into the frenetic activity of a world desperate for satisfaction and looking for it in all the wrong places. Help us to be mindful that you are a breath away. You are living water, and the water you give becomes in us a spring welling up to eternal life. Thank you for satisfying our souls. Thank you for becoming flesh and showing us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. To learn more about the podcast and to get today's transcript, notes, and other content, go to talkandpray.us podcast. Join me every Tuesday for more Talk and Pray. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave a positive review if you'd like to hear more content like this. This Talk and Pray podcast is sponsored by Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching. Music is In the Field by audionautics.com. Look for Talk and Pray on Facebook and Instagram.